Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Danny J and we are on another episode of the best life podcast and I am super excited because we have an amazing guest today Mr. Doug Bobst um, of what is it Doug Bobst Fitness is that your your company yeah it's Doug Bobst Fitness LLC um, is the name of my company my brand it means evolving I mean to see where it'll head in the next few years I'm not so sure but right now you know it's mainly a fitness company doing some speaking doing some writing but you know, just loving what I do. I love it. I love it. So Doug actually wrote a book called From Felony to Fitness to Free. And he reached out to me on Instagram and I was really like, who is this guy? But once I started chatting with him, we got on a call the other day and he has such a really, really amazing story. And I know so many of the women who listen to this podcast and men as well, um, just like these I just love the stories of having second chances and also like using fitness in order to shift and change your life. And you've created a really successful business for yourself, but you didn't always, you weren't starting that way. In fact, you didn't even think you were going to live past age 25. So kind of start us a little ways back from where you are now on kind of what happened in your past life and like how you got to where you are now. Well, you know, Danny, I appreciate you having me on. And you know, my, my parents were divorced when I was, when I was five and it kind of, took a toll on me and you know I got depressed at a young age and you know I, I didn't have the best genetics and I started gaining weight and by you know 10 11 12 years old I was considered fat you know I was in husky clothes and all that stuff and depression set in and um, just my self-esteem was just not there and I was always wondering like why all my friends like were doing the same stuff I was doing like athletic wise and eating the same stuff but here I was like the porky kid and you know, I, I just stop. hold on, hold on. Did you just say husky and porky in the same sentence? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I love it. Okay, go ahead. But anyway, um, my um, you know, I was just trying to, I was trying to fit in. I was having a hard time because I wasn't like, I love sports, but I wasn't athletic. I mean, I always, I always told myself I wanted to be an athlete, but I couldn't jump and I was uncoordinated, so it just didn't work. Right. And and then you know. By the time I was 14, I was started smoking pot and I felt like this, this monkey come off my back when I started smoking. And, you know, that one thing led to another and now I'm, I'm selling, selling enough to support my habit. And, you know, from that led me being kicked out of my mom's house and then, you know, shipped up to my dad's house who lived like 30, 40 minutes away, changed schools in a matter of days. And my life was a, was a wreck and I had no idea where I was going, where I was heading. I just knew that, you know, I had no purpose. I was being picked on in school. Um, all I cared about was selling pot at the time. And my, my habit got so bad that, you know, shortly after I was graduating high school, I was selling like thousands of dollars worth of pot a week. I was snorting cocaine and it was, just, it was, it was a mess. And I started developing some severe anxiety attacks and I had no idea what an anxiety attack was. As a matter of fact, when I first had one, I thought I was having a heart attack. And then I went to the hospital and I was like freaking out and they're like, you know, you're just having anxiety. And it was because I had no, I had no purpose. I was just paranoid all the time. And I had no idea where I was heading and, and I was offered a five milligram Percocet um, when I was like 19 and that snowballed from five milligram Percocet to me putting three, 400 milligrams of Oxycontin up my nose every day. And 
Yeah. And it just like was a slow, 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 you know, downfall of misery for me. And my, my, the beginning of my rock bottom was Cinco de Mayo, 2008. I was riding with a few of my friends to go pick up some Oxycontin. And I looked in my rear view mirror and it was the cops. I got pulled over. Uh, they searched the car. I had a half pound of pot, uh, $2,000 in cash. And I was, I was arrested on felony drug charges. At that point, I thought my life was over. And I went to court about a few months later. And I was, as you can imagine, I was depressed. I was hopeless. Uh, I was suicidal. And like the judge sentenced me to five years in jail. Everything suspended, but 90 days, five years probation, 200 hours community service, all kinds of drug classes and fines. But he's like, Doug, if you complete everything without messing up, I'll take the felony off your record. And I remember standing in court that day and I was like, I don't think I'm going to live to see 25 and I'm 30 now. And, um, you know, I reported to jail about a, t- a week after my 21st birthday, detox cold Turkey, wow. um, from the painkillers. Yeah. And it was absolutely terrible. And my, my cellmate was like, you know, whenever you get through this, you're going to start working out. And he was like, and then my cellmate was like a more Jack version of Brad Pitt from fight club. And, uh, <laughs> Wait, yeah. is now is he out? No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> so he was like, you're going to start working out. I mean, I'm like, dude. Like, I don't work out, man. Like, at the time, I could have been a model for Pillsbury. Like, I was, like, 50 pounds heavier than I am now. And But for some reason, like, I decided to give in to his requests, and I found myself, you know, working out with him one night. I couldn't even do a push-up for my knees. I was so embarrassed. And it just <laughs> – I was fired up for the first time in my life. And, you know, he helped – he trained me every day, and I was able to do 10 push-ups and run a mile by the time I left jail. And I remember, like, crying the day I left um, because – I had just felt like this, this guy had this unconditional love, support and care for me. And I just didn't know how to repay him. And, you know, I was like, how am I going to repay you, man? He's like, just keep, keep doing what you're doing, pay it forward. And he just left me some, some great tips. Um, you know, he said, you know, you remember you're no longer, you know, a fat, you know what, you never have to be one again, make sure you eat smart. And he's like, remember you get out of life, but you put into it. And he left all these sayings on a workout plan he gave me when I left. And I still have it framed to this day in my condo. Wow. And yeah. And so I just was on a mission and I, I kind of never looked back and I, you know, I, I lost 50 pounds and got to the point fitness level where I wanted to help other people use fitness to change their lives. And I became a trainer. Um, but you know, I was very lucky and I built a very successful training business. We've got all these accolades awards on TV, a bunch and the, the felony came off my record and I felt like it was just, my purpose was really starting to, to unveil. And I wrote my first book back in 2014 from felony to fitness to free to encourage and inspire people to make the most of their second chance, turn a negative into a positive and focus on how far they've come and not how far they have to go. And, you know, since then I've been on a mission to try to help people, try to help people transform into the best versions of themselves. And I'm even now helping people who are struggling with addiction, use fitness, nutrition, and positive mindset to help, you know, change their lives. And so I really appreciate you having me on Danny. I mean, now I'm just on a mission to kind of help end this drug epidemic and embrace and explore, um, you know, what it has to offer and be able to inspire people to become better versions of themselves. I love it. It's so powerful to hear. I mean, you think you were at the rock bottom, I mean, literally in prison and you think that's it. And then like, even getting out of prison, what's left for you? How do you get a job with that on your record? How do you move forward at 21 up to 25 years old when you're that young and that's all you have? And what a cool thing that you had somebody in prison, supposedly like another bad guy, right? Who's inspiring you and is like really just set this uh, like domino effect in motion or like ball rolling to like inspire others. So I think it's really, really cool. But did you, were you there the entire five years? 
No, they suspended my sentence for everything but like three months. And what hap- what that means is that if I were to violate my probation, if I were to miss a drug test, miss an appointment, if I were to be like get arrested or anything, like I would have to serve that entire five years potentially. Gotcha. So I was so scared because I was like, I just didn't want to go back. Like, I, I knew like this wasn't the place for me. I mean, it was like I was rescued when I went in there. I mean, it was good, but I never wanted to go back. Definitely. Yeah. It was kind of like that wake up call moment for you. Now, would you say, you know, like you mentioned the drug drug epidemic, what do you feel about are drugs the problem or is it the self-confidence that's the problem? Like what really does need to be addressed? Do we need to just take drugs away? Is that going to fix everything or is it really something deeper than that? I think it's a lot deeper than that, Danny, to be honest. I mean, certainly there's people who are, chemically dependent on drugs and they have that addictive gene so to speak but i also think there's a bunch bigger issue that's not really being looked at as much and that's the mental mental illness side of things the anxiety the depression that how we how we manage our stress like i always tell people like you're either going to manage stress in a healthy way or an unhealthy way like you you have a choice um like the self-confidence thing the self-esteem thing i mean i i instagram social media all that stuff is it's awesome and you know i know we were talking about that earlier but it's also an easy way for people to get, you know, competitive, envious, jealous within a matter of seconds, right? You see somebody like dating one of your exes, or you see somebody who looks better than you, or you see somebody driving a better car than you. And it, in our minds, we live in a society where we're always like comparing ourselves to everybody else. It's easy to like look at something like that and, and like lose our self-esteem or confidence in what we're doing with our life. Yeah, I totally agree. What are some of the things that you recommend to like your clients or just anybody listening to get out of that like comparison trap or to like focus on their own like how do you not do that these days well i think you just got to focus on yourself and you know really set goals for you and just know that like if you're you're shooting at somebody else's target you're going to miss every you're going to miss every single time cuz it's not your target it's you, their target and making sure that you're running your own race that was one of the always the one of the things that i've been told even through a lot of my mentors in the last few years is you know run your own race run your own race you know, don't worry about everybody else. And if you could put half as much time into what we, how much we worry about everybody else into how we, you know, work on our own self, like think about how much better we would be and just realizing that like things don't happen to us, they happen for us. And, you know, when you start comparing yourself to somebody else, you know, just acknowledge that like people only post like their highlights on social media. It's not like they're posting like their worst, the worst part of their days on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and just keeping that in the back of your mind. And, and, you know, things change. Like if you put all your, your hopes and dreams into like, you know, things that are replaceable, like cars, homes, you know, your body, all this stuff that can like be taken away within a matter of, of days and, you know, versus like values, like making sure you can be the best person you possibly can, making sure you can respect and love people unconditionally, making sure that you can be honest and have integrity. Like I think having those things versus like have seeing somebody and having like a nice car and a nice house and, yet they have a broken marriage and they're lying all the time. I mean, I think it's a lot more, you know, depth to life to having like great values than worrying about like driving nicer things or having nicer things than everybody else. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So you had obviously a big physical transformation, like after prison and losing the 50 pounds and going through all of that physical stuff. But I imagine sometimes the phys- the mental transformation, it's the one we can't see, but sometimes it can be the hardest, which what do you think was the hardest thing for you to get through on that whole journey? I mean, I think it was the mental side of things for me. I mean, because I, 
I never believed in myself growing up at all. I mean, I had horrible self-esteem. I had no confidence in myself. So, I mean, I, I mean, I barely had the confidence as a kid to like ask a girl out to a dance, let alone a man. Am I going to be confident to like go five years without doing stuff that I've been doing like a good part of my life, meaning drugs. And, but I just like focused on like, like living like for the day and just doing the best I could like each and every day. And, and like, just, I just looked back and I was like, man, like days have passed, weeks have passed, months have passed. I mean, that was and the hardest thing was getting rid of a lot of my friends. I mean, a lot of my friends, mm -hmm. people I associated with for a long time, I just had to realize like I had to change like what out my environment, if I was going to succeed and if I was going to change, you know, my future or whatever. And that was challenging too, because it took a hit on my social life. Like, and then I found more joy in like hanging out with my grandparents and watching the food network with them on a Friday night sometimes and like going out to the bars and getting hammered. Um, so that was definitely a change for me. But then like off the, like, the label of like being, I was a convicted felon for five years before it came off my record and having that, like in me, like even my day, my social life, whether I was dating somebody or whether it was like when I was talking to my clients or whether it was just, you know, being talked about my story. Cause they're always like, well, Doug, how'd you get into fitness? And I'm like, well, I started working out when I was incarcerated. I mean, it's like, that's like the first, and I'm an honest guy. So I don't want to be like, well, I was an athlete growing up and you know, I played Great. sports. Um, so that was a big challenge for me. And I think you know, the, I also skipped, like, I feel like a good part of my 20s and 30s. I feel like sometimes I'm like a 50-year-old trapped in a 30-year-old's body because I literally had to grow up so fast. And, like, I resonate with more older people, um, which is a challenge for me, too, because, like, most of the people I resonate with have kids and have families. And, like, um, I'm, like, 30. And I'm, they're like, why aren't you hanging out with, like, 25-year-olds? And I'm like, because I'm like, I feel like I'm like a 40-year-old. But... <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, those are some of the challenges. The physical thing's obviously hard. I mean, but once you get into a rhythm of working out, you see what it does for you and you see how you don't want to fill your body with, with garbage anymore. You, it's just kind of like a second nature to me now. Well, let's talk about owning your story because you mentioned something in there about having that convicted felon, like having, you know, being, having somebody ask you about that or talk about it. For a while, when people said, like, how did you get into fitness? Were you ashamed or embarrassed? Because you said you didn't want to lie about it, but how was it hard to talk about? Because obviously now you're owning it, you're writing about it, you're using it in a really positive way, but was that really hard to talk about or embarrassing or shameful? It, at first it really was because like, you know, there, I mean, obviously like the term felon isn't exactly a good thing. And when you tell them you're in there for selling drugs, it's kind of like, it just, it just doesn't sit well. Right. And, and I was in a business where I was catering a lot of high end clients. So it was like, you know, they can pick and choose who they want to work with. But at the end of the day, like the more I just started opening up about it, like the more people liked me even more, they were like, man, like I like you so much more. And I give you so much credit for what you've done and how much you've overcome. And it just shows a lot about your dedication, your work ethic, your integrity and everything. And I also realized like if people like want to judge me for my past and they're not people that are meant to be in my life anyway, because we all make mistakes. We all do things we don't want to do, but it just happened that I was put in the public eye that I was incarcerated and you know, my, I got caught. There's a lot of people who do a lot of things that are obviously not very nice, but they don't get caught. Right. Um, and I think it's about like the power of vulnerability. Like it's just not about me. It's about like, what can I do? How can I use my story to inspire other people? And I think the more you realize that's what it's about, I think the less you worry about like, you know, the shame and, and everything else because you learn to open up and you're like, you know what, if somebody doesn't respect me, like, oh, well, like it's, they're not meant to be in my life. And that's just kind of how I've, I've, I've kind of learned to live it with the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years of me just being very open. I'm an open book. 
Um, I always joke with people when I, when I, like when I'm dating somebody and they Google me, they're like, I'm like, yeah, if you just, I'm just letting you know, if you Google me, like you're going to find out some stuff right away. Like my entire story is out there. Right. So right. I was like, you know, I was like, I have nothing to hide. I was like, all my skeletons are on Google. So just Google me. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's though. that's a good thing to, you know, you don't want to have these surprises. So I think it's really freeing, but it's also, it takes a lot of courage. You know, I think a lot of, um, you know, women come to us and they're like, I have this story or I have this past or struggle and I want to share it, but I don't know how, or I'm afraid I'm going to be judged because I'm in a different place in my life now. So what would you say to those people who are like, I have something maybe deep, dark skeletons in the closet and I'm not really sure how to come out with it. Like, how did you just start talking about it? I just started just openly sharing, being authentic about it and not, you know, worrying about other people judging me. I mean, and I just, just started thinking about how can I, how can my story help somebody, somebody, how can I help myself? Because the more I talk about it, the more I share, the more it helps because, you know, the, the biggest thing I think with shame and everything is we hold on to our stories and it like brings us down because we're so worried about what everybody else is going to think of us. Right. And I think when we open up and we share and we realize like, Hmm, like that person over there, they're like, Oh, me too. I've struggled with that. Or, Oh, my son or my daughter, or my cousin or my coworker struggling with that, then it lets you, makes you feel like, okay, it's not just me. I think the biggest thing we worry about is we feel like we're the only people that have ever done anything wrong. We're the only people that are struggling. So we're afraid to open up. So we're afraid of being judged. But the more I, what I found is like most people have been in similar situations as me and maybe they weren't selling drugs or they weren't doing drugs. But they certainly felt shame, had horrible self-esteem, bad self-confidence. They were overweight. They had, you know, troublesome relationships with, we all struggle. So we're human beings. And I would just invite whoever's, you know, worried about opening up and sharing their story just to like, it's okay, be vulnerable, open up. And if someone's judging you for it, then that's on them. It's not on you. And they're not meant to be in your life and just kind of just move on from that. I love that. I love that you said, like, even if it's not drugs or even if it wasn't exactly what you went through, somebody has, they can relate in some way to the feelings. I think that, I don't know if it's Brene Brown. Somebody said that there's, there's no new stories. Um, and so we just have these universal feelings, right? So your story is being arrested, but it could be any of the things that maybe you got caught doing something you weren't supposed to be doing or somebody knows that. So I love that. And actually the last line of your book or one of the last lines of your book is live a life worth telling a story about what's your story. And I really, really love that because I think that we tend to also create stories, um, create stories about ourselves. Like when, before you went to jail, um, that you were like, you were insecure, you just weren't good enough, you couldn't hang with the cool kids. And so you had created this story and basically turned to drugs to cope with that. And then you shifted it and basically you just rewrote your story on, okay, this is who I am now. Like that was me then, this is who I am now. Like this is the new Doug. And was that like a conscious thing or did like through Eric, your friend, was it just through his encouragement and over time you started to build up this um, confidence or did you just make a conscious decision one day like this is it line in the sand I'm shifting well I mean to be honest Danny what happened was I think the more I open I became about my story I think the more confident I became in myself because I just showed that like man like I had now I had purpose I had a reason for struggling and you know obviously Eric helping me when I was in jail and I was working out obviously that's going to increase your self-esteem it's going to give you some confidence but you know, being able to be open and share about myself and having people say, man, like I can relate or you inspire me. This really helped me know that I was on like the right path. And I think a lot of times, like 
you know, we write our own story and like we sometimes just, we hit a bad, there's there's always a bad chapter in in a book, right? There's always chapters we, when we read, we're reading a story, they're like, yeah, that could have been better. I like that one better. But the problem is when we read a bad chapter in our own life, we sometimes stop writing. We take the pencil and we throw it down the sewer drain and we just say, you know what? I'm done working. I'm done trying. And I think it's about picking that pencil up and just keep writing and just keep going because just because you have a bad chapter doesn't mean that's the way the story is going to end. And, you know, for me, like I look back and I had no like faith in God or anything. And I'm not here to get religious, but like, but I, I was like, man, like there, there, no thing's looking out for me. There's no higher power. There's no purpose. But then I look back and I was like incarcerated and I had this guy helping me use fitness to change my life. And now I'm as a trainer owning a fitness business, speaking about how fitness can change your life. I'm like, man, like there was purpose behind all of that. And there was pain and everything. And like we go through stuff. And it's like sometimes we go through things so that we can come out on top um, with a better story of perseverance. I love that. I love it. So what's your mission now? Like what's new for Doug in the next, the next year? What's coming up for you? And what are you trying to accomplish out there in the world? I mean, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I still train a good amount, like personal training. It's like my, my bread and butter. I love training. I love coaching people in fitness. I work with people who struggle with drug addiction too and help them with fitness and doing a lot more speaking now. I'm speaking tomorrow. I spoke last week. Um, something I love, I love sharing my story and being open and just being vulnerable and relatable to how my story can relate to kids who are struggling with drugs. And I'm also working on writing another book where I interview a hundred people from the famous to infamous who have accomplished perseverance and hope um, through drug addiction and are, are thriving in recovery and just learning a hundred different stories of survival. And that way I can use it um, where it can be used rather to, for people to read and just show that, you know, there's not a one size fix all approach, like for, uh, for, for overcoming um, drug addiction. It's, it's, you know, there's so many different ways, but there's, there's a lot of different similarities. There's a lot of similarities within that, right? Like I believe in order to succeed, no matter what your walk is, you got to hang out with people that challenge you to be better, love you, support you unconditionally. Um, you gotta, you know, have some sort of physical fitness routine. I'm not saying you gotta like, you know, be a bodybuilder or, you know, do CrossFit or anything, but you gotta do something to like nourish your body. Um, and you, you gotta eat right. And you gotta, um, have some sort of spiritual component, whether that's, you know, your nature, God, you know, faith, what do you call it what you want, but it's, there's something that you, that helps you know, there's something out there that's greater than you. And you also gotta have like those aha moments in your life when you knew that like, you had to, to change and you had to like a little wake up call. So that's the kind of the mission behind the book just to show people that, that you can recover many different ways, but they all have similarities. And, you know, I'm just out there just trying to share my voice, share my story with people. And I don't care if it's somebody like yourself or if it's somebody that's you know, struggling with drug addiction or, or anybody, I just want to get to show the power of being vulnerable know that, you know, a guy like me, uh, you know, I, I started, you know, in the depths of despair. I love it. I really love that. And I, th- I'm really excited about that book. I think that's super powerful. I have a gal in my mastermind who's helping people with sobriety and she's not anti 12 step, but she's like, that's not the only way. And I want to help share that you can, you can become sober and stay that way without having to go to meetings all the time. And so I love that you're going to reach out to a lot of people to share their ways. Cause I think that we do need to have that. I think there's so many people struggling silently and, and publicly obviously, but that just need that. Uh, need that beacon of hope and also just to see that other people have done it. I think it really 
helps people to know that if somebody else could do this, if somebody else was just as bad as me or worse off and they're, they're thriving, then I can too. So I love that you shared where you were and where you are now so people can look at you and go, all right, if Doug can do it, then I can do it. So that's super cool. So, all right, you've got your, you've got one book that's on Amazon from felony to fitness to free. You have your second book actually, which is faith family fitness. And let's talk about that really quick. Cause I remember yesterday when we were chatting, you talked about family and I want you to talk about like what you mean by family and how that's important in your connections and who you associate with. So, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things for me is, you know, I always, I didn't always have a good relationship with my family growing up. Um, you know, it was obviously a result of what well, a lot of the decisions I made, you know, and, um, and so family is really important to me in the sense that it doesn't necessarily have to be blood. Like ideally it is. I mean, ideally you want like your parents and your brothers and everybody, your sisters to be like, you're the best of the best of friends, but it doesn't always have to be that. I think family is people who challenge love and support you unconditionally to be the best version of you. People that are pushing you closer to your goals and not like further away. Um, I think a lot of times we hang out with people and we settle, whether that's relationships or friendships or, or whatever, because we are too, you know, set in our ways or whatever. I'm just challenging people to like surround yourself with people that challenge you to be the best. And that's kind of what family means to me, like hanging out with good people that help you become a better version of yourself. I love that. I really love that because I struggled with my biological family growing up and really brought, I had other people that I consider family that really helped me through some of my struggles as well. And I can see that sometimes if we don't have that support, we feel maybe like we were gypped, like, well, my parents don't care about me, but it's not always about who you grew up with or who's related to you by blood. It can be the people that you choose and who are challenging you. I really, really love that. Cool. Well, um, Doug, where can people find you online if they want to follow you, read your books, book you for a speaking gig? Where's the best place to reach you and contact you? So it's pretty easy. It's uh is my website. I'm on Facebook at Doug Bopes and then I'm on Instagram at Doug Bopes as well. So, you know, I look forward to, to, to hearing from you. If anybody has any questions, wants to reach out to me, um, you just send me a direct message. I'd be happy to help if you, you need help or love one struggling. I'm going to be happy to chat. I love it. You're so generous with your time and your information. Doug Bopes, it's B-O-P-S-S. T and we will link all of these things in the show notes and I appreciate you Doug um, one last thing so this is the best life podcast and I want to ask you what does living your best life mean to you what does the best life look like to Doug well I think living your best life is like living like a balanced life where you're firing on all cylinders mentally physically uh, personally and spiritually like you're, you're feeling good about yourself I mean I know for me, like when I'm on fire with when living my best life, I'm journaling in the morning, I'm practicing gratitude, I'm meditating, um, get my workouts in, I'm eating right, I'm surrounding myself with good people, my social life is good. And I'm also like just feeling fired up about my purpose professionally and making sure that like I'm staying focused on like getting jobs done, and making sure that I'm like, again, I'm running my own race and not trying to run somebody else's race. Because again, it's about, like you said, living my best life, not living somebody else's best life. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure these listeners are going to love to find you and follow you and pick up these books and we will get this out soon. And thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Danny. I appreciate it.